welcome to Quirky Cooking Chats. I'm your host Jo Witten and this week we are diving into part three of the Working Through Anxiety series. I'm joined today by Jules Galloway, a friend of mine from, oh she used to be from Byron Bay but now she's from the Sunshine Coast which is also known as the Nunshine Coast these days <laughs> due to the amount of rain. Um, Jules has been in practice for um, I think she said 16 years now and she's a very knowledgeable and experienced naturopath and practitioner. Um, she's all about the holistic viewpoint of health, um, functional medicine, integrative nutrition, all of this kind of thing. And I've found her advice over the years really helpful. Um, Jules talks about how she often has clients who present with really low energy, um, maybe they have um, a chronic illness or um, are really struggling with anxiety and depression. And she said that she finds um, especially now that COVID is sort of slowing down, it's almost like there's a lot more um, people coming out of the woodwork and saying, I need help with anxiety and depression. So this is a really interesting episode. I hope you'll listen right to the end because there's so many um, nuggets of gold in this podcast. I learned some things that, that were sort of a bit fuzzy for me and I hadn't quite understood and Jules has made them clearer. So that's um, been very helpful. Thank you, Jules. Um, so if you're struggling with your um, health, your energy, adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, chronic illness, anxiety, depression, getting over COVID, have a listen to this podcast because it's gonna be helpful for all of these kind of um, situations. And I think you'll find that um, it'll give you some some quality action steps that you can begin taking in with your own health. And if you want to contact Jules about an appointment, her website is below. So have a listen, enjoy, and I hope that it really helps. Welcome Jules, my good friend that I haven't seen for a long time. <laughs> yeah, thanks COVID for ruining yeah. the relationship. <laughs> I think the last time we were eating ice cream together in... Um, Remember that ice cream, that, that cultured ice cream? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wall is a genius. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a while. It really has, yeah. So it's good but, to see you even if it's just yeah. a two-dimensional version of you. That's true. Um, just recently we had an online summit and you spoke about anxiety and I thought you'd be perfect to do part three <laughs> of the Anxiety Podcast because... Obviously, you're a naturopath and you deal with this kind of thing all the time, but I thought your talk was really good on Summit. So you begin wherever you think is important and just tell us from a naturopath viewpoint, you know, what people can do to really reduce anxiety, what it's caused by, all of that kind of thing. And I'm just going to let you go for it and ask questions as we go. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I might, I might need a bit of something because I don't have a slideshow in front of me. No, but... <laughs> we don't need a slideshow. We can talk all day. No, we're just, just going to wing it. That's yeah. my happy place. All right. So, uh, look, I, there's so many different types of anxiety as well, so it's kind of mm. really hard to know where to start. But I guess the, the first yeah. thing to say is how much anxiety has gone up as a whole since COVID began. 
Yeah. Like the last two, two and a half years in my practice, I've just seen it skyrocket yeah. and it's been really distressing, you know, for my patients and, and as a practitioner to see the effect of all the world events and, and what that's done to people. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't change what's happened. We can't go back and, and press a button and have a different outcome. But, you know, the, the lockdowns, the inability to see and connect with family, the homeschooling for all the mums out there. Like That's stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. and, and even just the, the working from home and the isolation and that lack of human connection and we're seeing less, less exercise and, like, you know, poor food choices. There are so many things going on. Mm. Uh, and a lot of emotional eating, like we're all guilty of that. And so, and maybe some emotional drinking. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's, it was the perfect storm. There were so many things going on that were working against us. It's no wonder that we started to see an epidemic of both anxiety and depression. And it's, it was, it's only now that I'm starting to see a lot of, I was just saying uh, off, off camera before with you that, they're only just starting to come back now. So it's funny. It's like someone pressed a button in my clinic on Anzac day and (laughs) people started booking in again. So there's been so much going on in the world Mm. that we've been in that just, you know, just keep survival mode, survival, keep your head above water mode. And Mm -hmm. now that we've reached our new normal, whatever that is, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it feels anything but normal to me, honestly. I, nothing, yeah. nothing feels normal yet. Everything still feels a bit up in the air. And then you throw in wars in Ukraine and other <laughs> world events and, and uncertainty and fear and we're glued to the news and all of these things have just all happened and they're coming to a peak. But it's only now that I'm starting to really see the fallout in terms of people showing up in my practice with like some pretty serious anxiety stuff. We're talking to the point of panic attacks and to the point where it's causing yeah. a lot of problems um, in their lives, like it's stopping them from wanting to have a social life or do things. Mm. And uh, and that's debilitating and that that's not okay. We, we need to sort that out. Like we can't live like this. Yeah. I think even for those who probably coped, felt like they coped okay during all the COVID time, um, we got so used to being insulated, isolated, insular, um, oh, isolated <laughs> from everyone. And it's almost like the anxiety is kicking in now of getting back into everyday life. Like for me, all the thinking of doing all the traveling and seminars and all the busy things that I used to do, it just makes me go, <gasps> I can't yeah. do it yet. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it can be anxiety about. COVID or it could be anxiety about getting back into the busy life that we were leading. There's, yeah, there's so many things that variables. We're definitely faced with an opportunity right now. Like this is a golden time to reassess everything before we throw mm-hmm. ourselves back into it. And I think I'm all well known. There's no I think about it. I'm already <laughs> seeing a lot of women throwing themselves back into their life the way that it was before COVID. And maybe that's why they're all just starting to come back to me now feeling really off because they're going back to the life they had and they're realizing that that life wasn't good for them to begin with. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, there's, it's, and I feel like there's also that, um, 
I saw this I saw this video footage this this like a YouTube video a few years ago where they took the I think they were beagles or something they took these beautiful dogs that had been used for medical experiments or and they were really I know it was awful they're mm. releasing them out into a big yard for the first time so they'd always been in little cages and someone rescued mm. them which was wonderful and they released these dogs but when they opened the crates these little cages to let them out into this beautiful big green yard the dogs were all like and they had to be coaxed out so it's like look you've got all this abundance in this greenery in the big wide world and it's amazing and this how this how you're meant to live and this is wonderful and the dogs were like i don't know yeah and i, I feel like there's a bit of that going on i feel well. like that too yeah <laughs> like look you can travel anywhere you want it's like okay i might get stuck over there something (laughs) might happen so there's so feel like even when we're talking about that i don't know about you but i could feel it here so like that's what we're carrying around with us at the moment and i'm seeing this flow on effect in clinic where it's affecting parts of the body that Mm. we don't immediately connect with anxiety well, unless you're a naturopath, then we know this. But yeah. like, <laughs> then we've had it drilled into us for many years. <laughs> but then, you know, digestive issues, hormonal yes. issues, thyroid issues, all of that stuff is, is on the rise in a lot of naturopathic practices right now mm. because that's, that's the flow-on effect from all the stress and anxiety that's been happening upstream in our lives for a while. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's more than just anxiety itself going on it's all these ways that it's manifesting in our bodies as well yeah that's one thing that we found in our family um when we started to really deal with the it's kind of like a vicious circle isn't it because you've got the anxiety and stress and all of the crazy lifestyle stuff affecting your health Um, but then you've also got the say gut health affecting how you feel so if you could talk to us a bit about yeah if you could talk Mm. to us a bit about um yeah how how anxiety affects your gut health and how you can improve your gut health to improve anxiety and why that works that would be great I've been down this rabbit hole so much (laughs) over the last few weeks because I actually have a couple of speaking gigs coming up um that are perfect speaking to to practitioners like clinical speaking gigs and there there's the first one I'm doing is actually talking about the gut brain connection and the way that both are influencing the other so we used to as naturopaths we always knew that what was going in your gut going on down there in your gut was affecting your brain and uh, things like neurotransmitter balance etc but we didn't know how to prove it and then in the last sort of 10 to 15 years along came science and caught up with what we already knew was going on but now Mm. we can prove it and so we knew that there was this this uh chat going on between the gut and the brain but now we're starting to also see the science that's connecting the other part of the loop where the brain is also affecting the gut and that's what we've seen a lot of in the last few years with this ongoing Mm. level of stress that people have not necessarily experienced before and the inability to go and take a holiday to get away from it. Uh, so we've what we've seen is this stress starting to affect gut function, and then when the gut function becomes worse, that affects the the you know neurotransmitter balance, and then it leaves you more susceptible to not coping with stress. So stress actually downregulates digestive secretions. 
So mm. if, you're, if you're stressed and you're producing stress hormones, say like cortisol, that actually starts this cascade in the body where it sends a message to tell your gut to make less of some secretions. And then so you're not digesting your food as well as you should be. But now we also know that stress is also affecting other um like other parts as well so there's this stuff called secretory iga which we make in the little mucosal cells down there in our gut and those little mucosal cells make secretory iga and secretory iga actually protects us it's part of our protective mechanism and our immune system to protect us from incoming pathogens so if you've got low secretory IgA, you're more susceptible to things like bacterial infections and parasites. So then the stress, lower secretory IgA, higher incidence of bacterial um, and infections and parasites. You get a bacterial infection or a parasite, as you know all too well, mm. that will then affect what's going on in the brain 100%, 100%. And so then... You know, like you, every naturopath ever, if you come to them with anxiety, they are looking for a gut problem. They might mm. not tell you straight up, mm. but we are all looking for a gut problem. Like every naturopath since the dawn of time will see an anxiety <laughs> case and be looking for a gut issue. So, you know, you've got this, this cascade that's going on, this, this issue that then's going on in the gut where you're more susceptible to having these problems. And then what happens is you're going to be more anxious. When you're more anxious, the next time a stressful event happens, your reaction to that stressful event is going to be not so great, right? So then you go round and round. You've got less resilience yep. to the stressful event. And when the stress happens, you become more anxious more quickly. And then that causes more gut issues. And round and round we go. And here two and a half years later, these are the people that are starting to really have like some challenges going on. And so also when you've got those gut issues going on, that's affecting other parts of the body as well. It's affecting mm -hmm. your immune system. It's affecting your thyroid. It can spark autoimmune diseases, etc. It can increase inflammation. So as soon as the gut's not right, all these other parts of the body, all these other systems in the body start joining the party as well. And then you start to see issues in different parts of the person that they just thought were different problems. Oh, yeah, I've got a mm. thyroid problem. I've got a gut problem. I've got some joint pain. But no one's explained to them that it's actually all part of the same Connected. problem. Yeah. And you start dealing with the root cause and things start to improve in all areas. Yep. And then mm. you start doing that chicken or the egg thing like, Mm -hmm. Did the stress cause the gut issue or did the gut <laughs> cause the stress issue? So which one's the root cause? Actually, it's both. Okay, I need to do both. So, yeah, yeah I think what we're starting to see a lot in, well, I know I am as, like, as a practitioner, I'm starting to see not one root cause. Yes. But I'm starting to see a little cluster of root causes all working together to cause the problem. And yeah, so, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you go. <laughs> Um, like people come to me quite often because they know of my story and they'll say, okay, what foods do I eat to be well and not have anxiety? I'm like, oh, it's, I mean, food will help, but it's never just one thing. It's always going to be such a wide variety of things that can be affecting anxiety. 
um, yeah. and also any other health issues. Like you can't, and what you're saying is basically it's a downward spiral. It's not just a vicious circle. It's a downward spiral. So you've got to start getting out of that, you know, that downward spiral and start going up again. So what do you usually start to work on first with your clients? If the client is anxious, we do need to bring them some symptomatic relief pretty quickly, yeah. right? Because first of all, they're anxious. We need to help them. But secondly, mm-hmm. right, hot, hot tip, if you don't help their anxiety, they don't come back for a second appointment, right? True. And then <laughs> right? things because... keep getting worse. <laughs> so even though someone comes to you with anxiety and you're like, oh, yeah, this is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, we need to sort that out. That takes months to sort out, right? Yeah. So you can't just do that. You have mm-hmm. to bring a person some symptomatic relief because they're, they're, they're hurting. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we look at, I usually look at herbs and supplements. Like, first of all, is there anything that looks to be low in this person that could exacerbate anxiety? So the first one that comes to mind would be magnesium. The second okay. one would be zinc. Like they're often yep. low in my people. And sometimes they need super high doses to get them up, like the sort of doses that a practitioner would want to supervise a person taking. Um, Even low iron. I'm starting to see a lot more information come out about how even low iron can lead to, you know, Mm. an exacerbation in anxiety, which is really interesting because they were never kind of the poster child for the nutrients. Mm. Like iron was always like, oh, yeah, you'll be, you know, breathless, anemic, you know, all of those sorts of things. Actually, it can it can affect mental health as well. So there's is, a few. Is it there. with iron? Um, yep. If you've got low iron, you feel quite exhausted. Um, and I find when I've been sick and I'm exhausted, I will feel down and anxious and cry easily. And you know, you just feel like my life is hopeless. I'm never going to have energy again. And so then you start to get really yeah, <laughs> teary. Terrible. Yeah, never going to be good. I, yeah, I remember. When I had COVID, I was so tired and I remember sending my sister a message saying, I'm so dumb, I can't do anything well. And I, and I had this big cry and she's like, oh, my goodness, you're sick. You're going to feel better. I'm like, okay. Within <laughs> <laughs> a few days I was fine. We expect so much of ourselves. Right? We get hit with this quite a serious virus and we still yeah. expect so much of ourselves. Now I'm going to be. Keep working. From bed. Yeah. doing all the things no this isn't a sign from the universe that i need to rest (laughs) i I did rest a lot (laughs) i did rest a lot but i just got tired of resting but yeah so look the the first thing i do when i see someone who's anxious i'm like okay like are are there some other and i'll be asking questions around their symptoms so if i think their magnesium might be low i might be asking them about whether they get headaches or muscle cramps or pains or those sorts of things or whether they're constipated like i'm looking for other signs of magnesium magnesium deficiency sometimes with zinc if i suspect that they're low in zinc i might even do a blood test because that's like a Mm -hmm. really easy blood test to knock out it costs about sort of 90 to 100 dollars, and then you get your answer on paper so sometimes Mm -hmm. i don't even go off symptoms same with iron like just go and get an iron test you know so i i usually assess some of those key nutrients even things like vitamin d iodine those Mm -hmm. sorts of things and then I start working with herbs. So if a person's anxious and we need some symptomatic relief, there's kind of two things I'm looking at. One is, is the anxiety during the day? And the second one is, are you sleeping? Right? So if you've got, ang- okay. if you've got anxiety throughout the day, like I might give you a herbal formula 
that you take two or three times during the day. If it's just that you're that it's happening at night and you're not sleeping, then I might give you a sleep mix, like um, or something that's a little bit heavier, or something that you know helps to knock you out a little bit more. Like I said, you would. This is this is good symptomatic relief. You don't yeah. want to have to rely. It's not long term. No, no, no. But you you do want like if a person's sleeping, they're healing. So you want to yeah. get them that that some runs on the board. If they're anxious throughout the day and they're having trouble getting to sleep, then I might give them one herb during the day and then give them a sleep mix at night. So that's the symptomatic stuff out of the way. Mm. Once that's done and that part of the plan is done, the next thing we do is I'm looking for the underlying drivers or causes, what you, you, what you were saying, root cause. Mm. So then we're like looking gut, thyroid. Biotoxin exposure, mold. Mm-hmm. We were yep. just talking before. That was a we big one in our mold. family. Yeah, yeah, and even I'm on the Sunshine Coast, and it's and it's air. not very sunny. <laughs> I think they've renamed it the Nunshine Coast at the moment. <laughs> Honestly, oh, no. it really is. And so, and all down through northern New South Wales, of course. And I've got mm. clients as far south as Wollongong who are experiencing that layer of mildew and mold on on their leather goods and belongings when they open their closet they're like we've never had this before and I'm like we're in the subtropics where we get this every wet season like yeah welcome to our party you have to have a major we you know they call it a spring clean well we have a wet season clean before and after (laughs) yep exactly and you just look Mm. you start throwing out leather goods because it's just it gets boring cleaning them every week so yeah that's happening further down into the southern parts of australia where they've never seen this before like sydney's had the wettest summer ever yeah and they've got this high humidity going on as well and they're starting to have mold issues as well so these are the sorts of underlying drivers so you know I, i i will bang on about the gut till the cows come home but it's not just gut like yeah. there are definitely other root causes and under other underlying drivers that i'll also be looking for but yeah gut thyroid female hormones biotoxins that's like 90 percent of my practice so when someone first presents with these kind of symptoms they would feel really overwhelmed knowing that it could be so many different things so where could someone start with one thing and then will that help to reduce yeah it's this is where seeing a good practitioner becomes Mm. gold because i i do i i've been in practice for a really long time when you've been in practice for a really long time how many years now i think i'm into my 16th year it's amazing i was trying to figure it out the other day i can't count um but i (laughs) i started at the start of 2006 because I finished yep. college at the end of 2005 and okay. um, and yeah I've I've done lots of different jobs since then but I've always it's always been naturopathic in some mm. way so I've done corporate yep. and supplement okay. companies and things as well but um, yep. yeah it's been I've I've been in this world for 20 years now if you include the four mm. years that I was studying at uni and working yep. in health foods so yeah two decades Ooh, um, well so, done yeah, and, and what happens as a practitioner when you get to that point is you will often start to see more complex cases rock up. Mm-hmm. And so you will start to get the people who say, I've been to three other naturopaths 
before. I've been to one naturopath, an acupuncturist, and three GPs. And I even a specialist. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And an endocrinologist and a gastroenterologist. Mm -hmm. And and no one can find anything wrong with me. And all my test results are fine. That's what I will often see. But I'm still tired. I'm still anxious. And the anxiety meds don't work terribly well. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, no pressure. Um, but oh. yeah, <laughs> but that, that's what happens once, once you've been a practitioner for a while. So those people will often have a lot of overwhelm and quite a complex backstory. And when, yeah. when, we, when, when you sit down in practice with someone like that and you take the case, I'm actually putting everything into a functional medicine style timeline. So it's like, okay, what year did you develop that thyroid issue? What's going on in your life the year before that? Ah, oh, your dad died. Okay, was that, was that traumatic for you? Okay, and um, tell me, have you ever lived in a mouldy house? Oh, okay, two years before your dad passed away. All right, how long were you in that house for? All of this is going into a timeline. Yeah. And what, what we're looking for is all those underlying drivers and root mm-hmm. causes but also we're looking for what's called a never been well since point. And there'll, be, there'll always be one, but it might hmm. be as far back as six days old when they ended up in hospital with some sort of infection and had antibiotics. Like you just yeah. never know. You have to keep asking and keep digging. Or it might be the six bouts of tonsillitis they had in their first year of uni, followed yeah. by glandular fever, mm-hmm. followed by a gut issue. never been well since point and so that's that's the biggest root cause but then you'll find all these other little root causes and drivers along the way as well so you don't necessarily go after that big never been well since cause straight away but you need to Mm -hmm. consider it and often it will be some sort of gut issue and some sort of stress life stress right next to each other so it'll be like oh yeah um yeah you know we had that death in the family but i'd already just gotten over having a parasite and two rounds of antibiotics to get rid of the parasite you know what i mean like you'll often see the stress Mm. and the gut stuff like really close to each other and so then imagine fast forward to the last few years and what have you got with covid lots of stress and if anyone's going into that with any sort of sniff of a gut issue (laughs) Yes, sniff of a gut issue. You just a little whiff of a gut issue, right? <laughs> what do you got? You've got that perfect storm again. And mm. what were we? Okay, I'll say we collectively, right? Now, not all of us. Okay, but what were we collectively as Australians doing in that first lockdown? We were we collectively were baking. People were there was this big sourdough trend. <laughs> There was, an, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I know that I don't do well on gluten, but it's sourdough. And I've read, you know, three articles. And it's comfort and food. Yes. And I saw a YouTube video saying that it's okay, like sourdough is fine. And I'm like, mm, is it fine for you though? That's I it, know yeah. it's the best quality bread that you can buy, but is your gut in a place where you can tolerate that right yeah. now? Not just that, banana bread. Banana oh, yeah, that was big. Bread, right? pies like every second person i know is baking some sort of pie i'm like what are you doing like comfort 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 food yeah sugar carbs 
sugar, carbs, mm. dairy, wine, wine for some. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't drink that. <laughs> I'm sure place, I do the sugar too much. <laughs> the place I was living at at the time in Byron Bay, we had a bunch of townhouses right next to yeah. each other, and each of us had a balcony, and we worked out that we could actually pass the bottle of wine between oh, the balconies. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Sanitised, of course, of course. <laughs> but we were having Lee's balcony parties on Friday afternoon. Well, that's nice. You got to actually spend time with people. <laughs> Close enough. You know, couldn't hug them, but they were just there. But yeah. yeah, like so think about that and what that does to people and what, what does that do to your gut? And Well, some people won't actually know what that physically does to your gut like for instance sugar how does that affect if you get a hit of sugar how does that affect immunity and gut health it's going to turn up the heat on any whiff of the gut issue that you already have so if you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth it will feed it if you have a parasite or large intestinal bacterial overgrowth it will feed it if you've got candida in the gut which you know in small amounts is considered a commensal like it's meant to be there but in large amounts it's called CFO now small intestinal fungal mm -hmm. overgrowth so it will feed it so there's and and sugar is like when your blood sugar goes up it changes everything like your body creates more insulin you have these blood sugar ups and downs when you have these blood sugar ups and downs you will then release more cortisol into your system. If you release more cortisol into your system, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm going to say that lots of not very great things are going to happen as a cascade from there. Mm. So, yeah, like sugar, I, I know. I like a treat too, right? Yeah. Like we all do. But it's, it's when you're doing it every day and it's, and it's when you're doing it to make yourself feel something warm and fuzzy because there's so much mm. going wrong in your world that it, you know you start to if you're emotional eating and you know we have all done it but you start to gloss over the symptoms that are coming up oh you get a bit bloated but everyone gets a bit bloated right bloating's normal okay bloating's not normal <laughs> bloating, bloating i put bloating in the same category as things like asthma eczema hay fever mm. right these things are not normal. They are yeah. common, right? So we have to start replacing the word normal with common. Bloating is common, right? With so many of us get it. Like I get it when I start to eat outside the plan as well that I have for myself. Like if I have too many wines, because wine's basically just sugar, right? Same, same. You might, someone else might be eating chocolate. I was drinking the wine. But, you know, if it makes you bloated, but it also makes your friends all bloated. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it's I'm normal. A bit bloated. It's normal. It's not mm. normal, people. Mm. It's common. So we've got to stop. I mean, I know there's these beautiful movements that are going on, and I have to be really careful how I tread here, you know, with like body image movements mm. and wanting to normalize different body shapes and types. And that's one area over here. And that's great, right? But if you're feeling uncomfortable if you start the day with a flatter stomach and then you eat a specific food or drink a specific drink and your tummy becomes uncomfortable to the point where you need to undo your jeans or not wear jeans right you know and opt for like 
I was wearing tracky pants. Linen pants. No, I was in Byron Bay. I had like the oh linen, nice. Yeah, yes, tracky <laughs> pants. <laughs> tracky I'm pants. I'm so you know, Ladies. tracky pants. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got them too. Um, but yeah, if you're if if, if you are having that that discomfort going on, this isn't a body image thing. Like this isn't a like that's. That is a separate kettle of fish. If you've got mm-hmm. discomfort in your gut and it's blowing up and going back down and blowing up and going back down, like you do need to get that looked at because yes. it's not, that is not a normal gut function. All right. So I'm not concerned about how you look, anyone out there, but I'm very, very concerned to make sure your gut is running nicely because if your gut is not running nicely, remember gut brain connection, gut immune system connection, gut thyroid connection, gut hormone connection, like it is running the show. So we need to give it that respect and attention that it deserves. Yes, so good. Ah, so what else do you do when you're just first trying to work through anxiety? So we're working on the gut diet, I guess, as well. Do you want to mention anything about how foods affect balancing blood sugar is usually where I end up with most of my clients. Uh, When you, like I mentioned before, when you have those blood sugar ups and downs, it can release different hormones, different chemicals. Like you, you know, you will have to release more insulin, more insulin will make you tired. And then the, the cortisol, the adrenaline might have to come out and play and then you feel wired and then you might feel more anxious. So if you're on this emotional roller coaster throughout the day, because your blood sugar is going up and down, then there's going to be points in your day where you're more likely to feel anxious or depressed. So definitely normalizing the blood sugar. And that means having more protein with a meal and less starchy, fast burning, sugary, fluffy carbohydrates. So I simply get people to, and this is pretty much how you eat as well. I Mm. simply get people to eat a palm sized portion of protein with every meal. Yep. And so for mo- that, not the fingers, just the palm. But if you feel how thick that is, that's a couple of hundred grams. That's like 150 to 200 grams of like meat, fish, chicken. If you vego, then we might be looking at like things like chickpeas or tempeh or something like that. Eggs. Um, eggs. Yep, absolutely. Two eggs, um, some nuts and seeds, a little bit of goat's cheese, whatever is good for you. And that's one third of your plate. So the other two thirds mm. of the plate are going to be slow burning carbohydrates. So I'm not low carb, I'm not anti-carb, but I am very pro slow burning carbs. So flick the white fluffy stuff to the curb for now. And what we're going to do is like colorful veggies. So green things, orange things, red things, purple things, like all the things and um, slow burning is key. So, you know, salad as well. Um, if you know unless it's winter if it's winter don't do that um, so you know soup even, with lots of veggies oh chicken soup with lots of veggies is Best. like the staple in our house same so that that's honestly I don't tell people to weigh their food I don't tell people to measure their calories or their carbs or anything mm-hmm. like that I just get them to whack a decent amount of protein on the plate make that one third of the plate, make the other two thirds something that burns slowly. And if they want to throw a bit of brown rice or quinoa or something like that on there, it's fine. As long as that's not the whole two thirds, like still try and get some good veg on there as well. Some healthy fats or oils on top, even if it's a splash of olive oil and butter bing, your blood sugar is going to be so much happier. 
The other thing that helps to keep blood sugar stable mm. is having the right bugs in there. So if we're weeding out any pathogens that shouldn't be there or, you know, getting the balance of bacteria right, so knocking down that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, getting the good bacteria in there as well. Like we now know that there are, there are whole groups of bacteria that are responsible for turning carbohydrates into energy when you eat them and turning food in general into energy. So like if you've got the right bugs in there when you eat food, your blood sugar is also going to be more stable. So mm. it all comes back to the gut. So, yeah, look, when it comes to diet, I'm pretty simple. If, yep. if you're going to have your more carby food, I usually tend to like tell people to have it at night because then at least if they feel tired from it, they're just going to go to bed anyway. Um, one or two serves of fruit per day. Like don't go off the fruit altogether unless you've got a gut issue that requires that of you. Mm. So it's pretty simple eating but it yeah and and also like i do the spoiler alert if you come to see me i'm probably going to take you off gluten and dairy for now if you've got a gut issue like that's usually the things that you are so reactive to when you're struggling with gut health a lot of people can get the dairy back and that's yeah. awesome and and maybe smaller serves not huge amounts yes. like cheese on a pizza small <sighs> amounts of like well-made cheese and well-made mm. butter and and like using ghee is great like I, I, even a lot of my dairy intolerant people can handle butter and ghee straight yeah. away, as, as do I think a lot of people who follow you as well. So, mm. yeah. And look, it's not forever because I do get a lot of people saying, you know, I should have started coming to see you six months ago, <laughs> but I knew you were going to take me off my favorite foods. So I've kind of just been putting it off and now I'm sicker. And I'm like, yeah, mm. but you, I am going to take you off those foods, but it, it's probably not going to be forever. And the sooner you deal with it, the sooner you'll be back to eating a more full diet. Yeah. And if you've got a happy brain, then you're going to be like not reaching for the comfort foods so much. So if we can get your, your neurotransmitters into balance and your anxiety mm. levels go down and your depression lifts and you start to feel good, like that is going to affect your food choices because then you're not reaching for the foods to fill this hole in your life or to boost your, your mood or to, you know, like the, I can often tell when someone's low in serotonin just from the foods that they're reaching for when they're tired or stressed. So like it does change your food selections and what it, 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 it changes what you crave or it might even stop you craving things at all and keeping that blood sugar level stable really affects cravings too for most of my clients so yeah it's 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 a different way of looking at things it's almost like a reverse engineer way of looking at things which is like I know I'm going to take you off your favorite foods but you're not going to crave them as much as you used to as well so yeah. there is that light at the end of the tunnel too yeah can I just ask the question that most people will be worrying about what do you think of caffeine <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, <laughs> my husband was a barista for six years in Byron. Oh, that's so, right. And we have that's a very right. fancy coffee machine in our kitchen. Ooh. So, yeah. You know, go for the good the, stuff. <laughs> at the start of COVID, everyone else was buying tin tomatoes and toilet paper and James <laughs> drove two hours to like three towns over to go and buy like the last of the good coffee machines that was available. That's um, hilarious. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, there's your priorities sorted, babe. <laughs> um, so look, uh, but honestly, in, in all seriousness, it's going to come down to how, how high are your anxiety levels? Mm. Are your adrenals under the pump? 
Are you inflamed? Are you very stressed? Are you sleeping? Because if you're not sleeping, I might take away your afternoon coffee. But I do, I do try and find a balance with my clients yeah. where I say, look, have one coffee on a full stomach in the morning. So don't have it before breakfast. Have it okay. after breakfast. Because if you have it on an empty stomach, it will often cause like, you know, more stress hormones to be released. And I never even so, thought of that. There you go. Because yeah. a lot of, um, you know, intermittent fasting kind of people will do the mm. butter yes. coffee and nothing else for a while. But all the, all the good intermittent fasting studies that I've read were done on men. Yes, I've it's heard that. It's very difficult to mm. find good data on the benefits for women when it's done yeah. in that way. And a lot of the intermittent fasting studies, were not they were not given butter coffee. This is yeah. something that people have introduced because they just want their coffee because they, they want to wake up and get that feeling. Yeah. Honestly, like if you're going to look at the benefits of intermittent fasting with coffee, Find me a study done on women and let's chat. Like send me the link, people. <laughs> send me the link, right? Do please go yeah. and find it because they're very hard to find. I'm sending you for a needle in a haystack, but if you find it, please send it through. So just be aware <laughs> of that. Like we are not, what does Kira Sutherland say? Um, women are not small men. She's a sports nutritionist and she will yeah. always say a lot of sports nutrition studies are, are done on men. She goes, women are not small men. Yeah. So just be very aware of that. We have different mm. hormones. We have different thyroid situations. Like there's a lot going on with us. So please, I would say. We're complicated. Have it after food. We are very complicated. <laughs> um, but that's, the, that's part of the charm. So That's right. Yeah, please go and have your coffee. Have a single shot in the morning after some food and then don't have any after about 2 p.m. And yeah. that, that would be a really good start. Just try and cut down the amount of shots that you have. If you're having three or four shots in a day, that's probably too many. I'd be asking mm. why you need that level of energy because, by the way, it's not energy. It's just coffee. So it could be masking something. Real energy. Real energy comes from somewhere else. So, yeah, definitely, again, if you're relying on that stuff to get you through in the same way that people are relying on sugar at 3 p.m., I would mm. be looking at that blood sugar. Are you having enough protein with each meal? Is your mm. blood sugar stable? Like, let's backtrack. Let's have a look at what everything that you're eating and find a way to keep things in more balance so that then you can enjoy your coffee rather than be a slave to it. Love it. That's really good advice. Thank you. Um, yeah, so action steps. Stabilise your blood sugars. Yeah. Keep carbs and sugars low, the simple carbs anyway. Yeah. But have the long lasting what, what what did you call them slow burning slow burning carbs yep. with protein and fats so can i ask you one more question um what do you recommend for people if they feel like they need a snack um to help keep everything level yep if you need a, st a snack to keep everything more level the first thing i would say is what are you eating at your main meal before that because i bet you if you're in a hole and you need a snack it's because mm. your blood sugar has dropped if your blood sugar has dropped we need to go back to your previous meal and go was it one third protein did it have slow burning carbs did something white fluffy and starchy or sugary creep in there that wasn't meant <laughs> to was it a stir fry with some hidden sugar in the sauce like what's going on here and go mm, back and yeah. have a look at that because if you're in the hole 
and you're expecting a healthy snack to pull you out of that hole, it's not going to work. Because once you're in that hole, the only thing that pulls you out is sugar and it pulls you out for like half an hour and then you're more in the hole again. So again, with that yes. blood sugar roller coaster, I would be like, okay, let's, let's see what you ate today. Where, where did the balance become unstuck a little bit? How can we tighten that up and make it better for you? And everyone's amounts of the, everyone's tipping point is going to be different as well. Like mm. some people can get away with a piece of bread at lunch. Some people need to leave their bread for dinner time because it does cause that, that problem. And again, that might yeah. come down to your individual gut bugs or other things going on in the body as well. Like whether you, um, you know, whether you tend to put out more insulin than other people when you eat these mm. things, a lot going on. So yeah, if someone's asking about snacks, I'm always like, hmm, we don't need to talk about snacks. We need to talk about your lunch. Yeah. Or if you're snacking mid-morning, <laughs> we need to talk about your breakfast. But um, look, nuts and seeds, um, if you can tolerate cheese, then great. Or if you can tolerate goat's cheese, great. Veggie sticks and hummus is my massive go-to. Uh, mm -hmm. I tend to try and not reach for fast-burning carbohydrates like mm. rice crackers and things. Because again, you're just going to end up on that roller coaster. It's not doing anything. And you're going to have cravings and then, yeah, it, it's, it never ends well. So yeah, nuts and seeds, like anything that's kind of proteiny. I, I often keep boiled eggs in the fridge. Mm, same. Yeah. All of those sorts of things are great. Even like a little mini smoothie or something might get you through with a bit of, you know, like, um, you know, nut butter, or I put cashews, raw cashews in mm -hmm. my smoothie and blend it up in the Thermomix that I now mm. own. Finally, oh, I know I'm late to yes. the party. She's I'm part very, of the cult. I'm, I resisted for so long. I was like, you're just a, you're a cult. You're all a cult. And then I joined the cult. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So I'm sure you're very balanced. Oh, I, <laughs> or not. I love it. <laughs> So, very handy so yeah look high protein snacks are key but if you're expecting them to pull you out of the funk that you're in they're not going to because the funk was caused by the last meal being not so balanced yeah yeah go yeah. have a good meal so, <laughs> yeah try to not go in the hole in the first place yes yeah i know it's easier said than done but yeah just every time you feel like you're really craving food or really tired or grumpy or sleepy or just sat or even anxious, because mm. sometimes when we fall into that blood sugar hole, it results in anxiety. When you're in that place, just take a deep breath and have a think, what, what have I eaten today? Was it balanced? If it wasn't, yeah. well, you know what to do next time. Don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Go, go have whatever mm. you need to have to get through the rest of the day, but make sure it registers in your mind okay next time we'll we'll make some better choices and see mm. if we can keep things more even because it might not be the most exciting lunch of your life but if it stops you falling into that hole at 3 p.m you're going to be so much happier yeah this sort of comes a full circle to what i was talking about in the past two podcasts so if you've missed those ones you might want to go back and have a listen but being organized so that you've got your meals planned, having, um, you know, thinking about your dinner the night before, all of these things help to create an environment where you're more stable, um, you're well-nourished, your gut is healthy, you are setting yourself up for a better mood and less anxiety. So it's, it's the food, it's the environment, it's the, the mindset, it's all these things. So 
Thank you so much for rounding that all off for us, Jules. That was really helpful. And You're yes, very welcome. I'm I'm just like gonna take notes and share this everywhere because it was really great. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I hope everyone watching this finds it helpful too, because I know we all need as much help as we can get right now. Yeah. Well, you have an awesome weekend. And hopefully I'll see you somewhere soon. <laughs> yes, in real life. <laughs> yes. Big Excellent. hugs. <laughs> big, big hugs to you too. Thanks so thank much, you. Jo, and thank you for everything you do too. Oh, thank you. All right. And if anyone wants to contact Jules through her practice, how do they get hold of you? You can simply go to my website at julesgalloway.com and everything you need you'll find from there. And I'll put the link below. Okay. Thanks, Jules. Bye. Bye. <laughs>